Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. And if you've ever stopped to contemplate on the reason that God would robe himself in a fleshly body and suffer humiliation and pain and rejection and come up with no answer, then this message is for you today. Because it's hard for us in our humanity to understand why a God who had everything, who created everything, who provided everything, could humble himself and come so he could relate to his creation. But that's exactly what if you want the solution to your damaged problem, if you feel like you're lost and you're unbound and you're unfettered, then God's Word is their healing balm for you. God's Word is where your answer lies. The Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. There's a story in the Bible. I like that part of the song that talks about just standing. You know, sometimes you don't feel like you're making progress, and here's the real truth to it. Sometimes you're not. You're not always going to be making progress. You're not always going to be moving forward. There'll be times when it feels like you got nothing, and there's nobody around you that can help you or give you what you need to get you where you need to go. But the Bible talks about there being a place where there was a battle over a field of beans. Battle over a field of beans, and every, all the Israelites were running through the field, and then one Israelite stopped, and he said, no, I'm not giving up this field. I'm not giving up this spot. He, he didn't run towards the battle, but he didn't run away. He stood his ground, and because of that, a victory was won. You see, sometimes we have to get in our mind what seems to be insignificant to somebody else. What might seem to be just like a field of beans to somebody else, just a bunch of nonsense. Oh, we can give that up. Somewhere along the line, you have to decide I'm not giving anything else up. Because today's bean field is tomorrow's food. Amen. Tomorrow you're going to live and be sustained off what you gave up. And the less you have to sustain you, the weaker you'll become. Somebody needs to take a stand right where you're at today and come to an understanding. I'm not giving anything else up because I don't serve a weak God. I serve a mighty God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Some of you might have seen this morning, Brother Jones began to teach his lesson. He talked about how we are broken. And I just started grinning. Got a big smile on my face because I but he, here we go again. He just set me up, and he certainly did. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Set me up. You know, our society is a throwaway society. I can remember my grandmother. She just passed away a little over a week ago. And uh, I can remember being at her house. And from the time I can remember to the time that she finally moved out, she had the same washer she didn't have a dryer. The clothesline was her dryer. She had the same washer from the time I can remember until the t- probably 50 some odd years than that. She probably had it before I even came along onto the scene. And I think in the last 20 years, we've gone through three washers. And when one breaks, we call Brother Gary and say, hey, can you fix this? And, and sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is yes, I can, but you're better off just to get a new one. And so we chuck the old one out with the old, in with the new. (sighs) 
Has anybody else ever noticed that your hot water heaters always go out two months after the ex expiration date, the warranty is? We've lived in this house 14 years. I'm on my third hot water heater. One went right out as soon as we got there practically. Then we replaced that, got another one. Now we just replaced it about eight or nine months ago again. Once again, we chuck the old out, bring the new in. It's, it's not worth repairing. We just throw things away anymore. Amen. We may be broken. We may, we, we may have sin as our nature. But God never looks at a single human being as being a throwaway. And I don't know where you've come from today to this service, what background you may have, or what anybody else has told you. Maybe somebody said you're not worth, maybe you've had a doctor say, I can't do anything more for you. Maybe you've had a, 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 a spouse that said, you know what, I'm done. Maybe you've got all these different, different problems where humanity has given up for you. I've come to tell you today that God has not. God has not given up on you today. Grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 12. I want to say before we move on how uh, much of a pleasure it is to have uh, Brother Tomas and Sister Morgan's family with us today. Amen. We want to give them a welcome here this morning. Why don't we do that right now? Amen. Great friends of ours from a long time ago. And I've been on the softball field with several of these out here. And just gotten to know them over the years and uh, always found them to be faithful friends. Appreciate this family today. Thank you for being here on such an important day. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's start with verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When I read that, I sometimes say, uh-oh. Because it's not just good enough for me to do the right thing. I have to do it for the right reasons. God does, doesn't just look at what I'm doing. He's looking at why I'm doing it. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I want to take my key verse out of the very next portion that we're going to read here, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, this is a rhetorical question that needs no hands lifted or anybody to even say amen to it. 
but I'm going to ask it anyway. How many have ever found themselves in a place where they have had to fall at the feet of Jesus and look for grace? <laughs> All of us. Glad that we have grace that's made available, and I'm glad today that I don't have to fear coming before the Lord, but the Bible tells me that I can come boldly before Him. I can run to Him. I don't even have to knock on the door. I can just, I can crash through the doors and fall at His feet and say, Father, forgive me, and I'll find grace for my need. I just want to preach to you for a little while this, this afternoon, damaged goods, damaged goods. You may be seated today. Amen. The altar has an enemy, and the enemy of the altar is something called condemnation. Yes. Condemnation will make broken people want to run away and hide. The very first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned, and God came down back as He always did in the cool of the evening to visit with them, but on this particular day, He couldn't find them because they were feeling condemnation. They were feeling the effects of their, their sin. And it caused them to run away and to hide themselves for God. And I want to tell you today that there's one thing that we all have in common, and that is all of us are born with a sinful nature. I think you touched on that a little bit this morning as well. Uh, even the most righteous among us, the, the greatest among us, the the ones that, that choose to do good things and help people. And the Bible says our righteousness, as good as it can get, is as a filthy rag when you set it alongside God and His righteousness. As good as we can become, we are broken. As good as we can be in this human nature, we're damaged because of sin. I, uh, I typically, a lot of times, will go back to stories of my life that, that kind of fit into sermons, and today is no different than that. I've worked for a long time for uh, a global company, uh, Federal Express, and a lot of things have happened to me over the years, uh, different things that have been funny, some things that have made me mad, some things that still make me mad, some things that, that uh, I don't understand. Uh, but there, are, there have been times throughout the years working for this company that uh, I've had the unpleasant task of delivering a package that was either late or, or damaged to a customer that was less than understanding. We have uh, in our power pads, they call them our little handheld computer devices, codes when you have a package that is, uh, that is all messed up. And I've seen just about everything in 30 years of working for this company. Uh, I've seen uh, packages that are ripped, torn, wet, all, all these different things, and we have codes for all those things. So when I make a delivery to somebody, if a package has been torn open, I, I will mark it as delivery, uh, delivered torn and put the scan, the proper scan on there. But there's one thing that, that they never put in there. We have a, a code scan for torn. We have a to code scan for, for, uh, for wet. We have a code scan for, you know, uh, ripped apart, you know, damaged, crushed, those types of things, but there is, there is one that we still don't have a code for, and that's when I deliver a package that has a big old size 13 footprint as clear as day on top of it. You know, I do my best to kind of rub those off, but 
once they're on, they're kind of hard to, to, to remove. Now, I don't have a size 13. I'm not the one stepping on your package. That, that's somebody else along the way who, who couldn't get up to where they were trying to go, so they thought that, that your package would make a, a good footstool and, and planted their foot right there. And so I try to take a little bit of the, um, of, of the seriousness out of it when I deliver it to somebody, and I'll tell somebody, uh, I'll say, here, I have your package. I've already scanned it as being damaged. I said, uh, by the way, we've put our stomp of approval on your package. It's, clear, it's cleared approval. Uh, through FedEx, and I hand them over their package with a big old footprint on it. It's embarrassing to me. We have a guarantee that says if your package is late, you don't have to pay for the shipping costs. I had a customer one time that said, I, I, you're three minutes late, and, and they said, I don't want to pay for this. I'm like, well, that's fine. Just call in. and said, no, I don't want to call in. You're going to pay me what you owe me. They wanted me to pull my wallet out of my pocket and pay them for the late package. They didn't want to pay for it. Go through the trouble of calling somebody up, uh, and, and uh, to, to which I responded. I said, you know how, you know, in the corporate level, it starts way up at the top, and then it rolls down like this and gets all the way to the bottom shelf. Uh, I said, you know that bottom shelf tier of people that, that, that work for the company? And they said, yes. I said, I'm right underneath them. I've got no authority I've got no power, and most of all, I have no money. <laughs> I can't help you out. Now, I've been with this company long enough to see a lot of changes take place. If you work for any place for very long, change is inevitable. And, and our, our, our company has always been one that has been changing. It's global. You know, we get new markets. We, we uh, try to phase in new, new uh, apparatus. Uh, when I first started, uh, we were using this little handheld device that, that you had to swipe across the barcode. And then when it gave you the information, you took a black magic marker and you wrote the code on, on every package. And, and you had to write down every single tracking number of every single package on, on a page and have somebody write off, uh, uh, sign off on all those packages. And now it's so much more simpler. I'm thankful for some changes, but there are some things, especially in the major corporate world, that uh, at a man at my level just can't seem to comprehend. There's times when, when I look at some decisions that are made, and, and, and I look to my co-workers and my peers, and I say, obviously, whoever made this decision has never done what you and I do for a living every single day. Because it may look good on paper, you might be able to sign off as in theory it might seem to make sense. But in the real world, not everything that makes sense on paper works in the real world. The point I'm trying to help us understand here today is sometimes it seems as there is this huge gap between the CEO and the, and the boots on the ground people. Uh, our company tries to do a good job of trying to convey messages, and, and for the most part, I, I feel like, you know, we're treated well, and, and we're understood well, and they even have something called survey feedback every single year where we get to rate our bosses. That's a lot of fun. It's always amazing to me that there's free food about two weeks before the survey feedback comes in. We have barbecues, and, and our boss this year, he's a great guy. I gave him an excellent review. I say that just in case he happens to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Gave him an no, I really did. He, he is really a, a very good boss, one of the better that I've had in, in my 30 years. Uh, we're able to rate them, uh, and he said, we're going to be having food for everybody. There's going to be a barbecue. We're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers. He said, I know we're just two weeks out from survey feedback, and that's not what this is all about. And everybody's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, right, sure. I think we all understand sometimes the, the gap that we feel between here and here. 
Like there's a disconnect. I've worked for a long time for this company, and I have never yet met the CEO. If I walked into a room with Fred Smith today, I would know who he is, but he would not know who I was because there is a large gap in between the two of those things. And that is the mindset that we have a lot of times in the, in the world in which we live. Like there is a disconnect between the bottom and the top. Amen. You feel like uh, maybe you're not heard and maybe sometimes you're not even understood or sometimes maybe you're just the end of somebody else's means. And if you've ever stopped to contemplate on the reason that God would robe himself in a fleshly body and suffer humiliation and pain and rejection and come up with no answer, then this message is for you today because it's hard for us in our humanity to understand why a God who had everything, who created everything, who provided everything could humble himself and come so he could relate to his creation. But that's exactly what he did. He's not a God that is far away. He's not a God that is disconnected. But our high priest, the Bible says, is somebody who understands our problems. Our high priest is somebody who understands our plight. You are more than just damaged goods to God. You are more than just a package that was broken that's to be discarded and bring a new one in and see if we can't find something a little bit better. But he said, I see some value in some broken people. I see some value in some damaged goods and what the world might would throw away. I still see value in them and I choose to give my life for them. Jesus Christ bridged that gap. There was a purpose for his suffering. He went through the pain for more than just your healing. He suffered and he bled and he ultimately gave his life more than just for you to be saved and to feel the power of his spirit as it infilled you when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Evidence was speaking in other tongues. It was more than just for your transgressions. It was more for those things. But he suffered so that we could never say to him that you just can't understand what we're going through, God. When we look at God and we say, God, it's hard. He looks at us and he says, I know, but stay in the fight. Stay the course. It'll be all right. I felt what you felt. I've been where you've been. I've suffered like you've suffered. And if I made it, you can make it too. He understands who you are and he understands what you're going through. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knew what sickness felt like. So we get that, okay. Jesus got the flu. Spent half the night throwing up when he was a kid. You know, I, I don't know. He, he was human just like us. God manifested in the flesh. God robed in the flesh. And even though he was 100% God, he was still 100% humanity at the same time. And, and so even though he had the power uh, to, to, to stay away from sickness, uh, he, he still allowed his body to go through the same things that our bodies go through. He understands what sickness feels like. 
He understands if you get a cut on your arm, it's not going to feel good. He bled like we bled, and he, he, he got sick like we get sick, and he had things that took place, and he was tempted as we are tempted. But infirmities, the word infirmities encompasses more than just sickness. The word infirmities speaks of weaknesses. He knows what you struggle with. He understands what it feels like to be tempted. I've, I've asked a question before in prayer. God, it would have been so much easier if you just created us to where we wouldn't have this sin problem. And he said, I did. <laughs> And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I should be complaining to Adam, not God, but Adam's dead and he can't hear me unless, I don't know, I don't know how all that works yet. If you do, you're smarter than I am. Maybe God will relay the message to Adam. God, if you do, chew him out for me real good, would you please? Give Neil what for. The Bible talks about two Adams, the one being the first Adam, the second Adam being Jesus Christ, and by one man... We all have been brought into this nature of sin, but there was another Adam, another beginning, another brand new man. There was never another man like Jesus Christ. He was the first. He was the first of his kind, just as Adam was the first of his kind. Adam failed, but Jesus Christ made it right. Amen. I'm so glad for redemption power. I'm so glad that even though our first human Adam, our first human father, he made the mistake and he failed and he caused all of us to be uh, born into this nature of sin, that I had a second father who was a spiritual father by the name of Jesus Christ, and there's no one like him. There's no one that's ever done anything like that for me before. There's no one that can do it since. He is the God of salvation. He brought healing. He brought everything that I need. He is the God of first. He is the God that created the healing for what was damaged. He knows. He knows your infirmity. He knows your frailty. He knows your weaknesses. And he knows what you're tempted by because he was just like you. And he was just like me. Except where we fail, where we fall short, he did not. He was perfect. He was perfect. Which made him the only solution to the sin problem. The lamb couldn't have one spot or one blemish. The lamb had to be spotless. And the lamb that went to Calvary for me was perfect. It's not, that, it's not that they didn't throw at him things that tried to cause him to stumble. It's not that he wasn't tempted. The devil himself took Jesus Christ up and tempted him himself and uh, wanted to give him whatever his heart would desire just for him to bow down one single time. But every single time, God fought back not with some witty commentary or not with something he learned in a self-help book, but he went to the Word of God because the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. Amen. If you want the solution to your damage problem, if you feel like you're lost and you're unbound and you're unfettered, then God's Word is their healing balm for you. God's Word is where your answer lies. The Bible says 
He was in all points tempted. All points. Like as we are, yet without sin. We cannot go to God and say that the temptation that we struggle with is too strong to overcome. He's already paved the way to get beyond it. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that with every temptation, he's made a way of escape. With every temptation that you as a woman or as a man or as a child, as an elder, whatever, whatever your status in life is, whatever thing that tempts you, and whatever thing that you feel like you can't get away, away from, whatever it is that, that you feel like as, as separating you from God and causing you to be damaged and you're wondering, can I ever get beyond this? The Word of God says that with every temptation, even though it may seem like it's got a padlock on your life, God's... Word holds the key, and there's a key there, and you can unlock that thing, and you don't have to be bound by it, because with every temptation that you face, God has made a way to escape, and for that, I just want to thank the Lord today for the escape clause that he's put in every temptation that I've ever faced or that I ever will face. Most of all, he wants us to understand that he understands us. And that we are welcome in his presence. We have a high priest that tells us, come boldly unto the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He says, I've been where you're at. I know how you feel. Most of all, I can help. He's not some pompous God that's never known pain. But he's a God that suffered the same as we did, specifically to relate to us and to provide for the ones that he loves. There was a story that I read about this little boy. You know, every little boy wants a puppy dog. Who's all got dogs? I've had dogs. If you don't have one now, who's, almost everybody's had a dog in their life. I loved my dog. Brownie was his name. Somebody else named him. We got him. We just kept the name. This little boy wanted a puppy dog, and he decided he was going to go down to the store. He'd heard that the pet owner had just had a new litter of puppies, and he was going to see how much they ran, how much they cost. And so he went down to the, the pet store, walked through the door, and he asked the... Uh, the owner there at the store, he said, I heard you had some new dogs. He said, how, how much are they? And he said, well, he said, uh, they're all going for $50 a piece. And the little boy said, wow. He said, I've only got just a few dollars. If I gave you my few dollars, would you let me just look at them and play with them a little bit? So the pet owner, pet store owner, he, he whistled, you know. Out come lady, the mama. Behind her came... Five little fur balls running behind her, but one lagged behind. That little puppy dog came running behind the other four, his brothers and sisters, and finally made it up to where the little boy was standing, and he knelt down. He was rubbing him, petting him. He said, what's wrong with that one, the one that's limping? Pet owner said, well, said, the veterinarian says that he was born without a hip socket, and he's, he's never going to walk right. He's, 
He's always going to hobble like that. He's never going to be able to go out and run and play like the other puppies were. And he said, well, how much, how much for him? The pet owner said, oh, he's not worth anything. He's, you know, he's, he's crippled and he, he's not going to be like a normal dog would be. He said, you can just have him for nothing. He thought he was going to do the little boy a favor. I'm just going to let you have this little dog. If you want this little dog, he's not worth anything to me. Why don't you just take him? And it made the little boy mad. The little boy said, no. He said, that's the puppy dog I want. If you'll take the few dollars I have, I'll pay you 50 cents a week until he's paid in full, just like all the other dogs. The pet store owner couldn't understand why, why this little boy felt so adamantly uh, uh, about paying full price for this dog that was, that was damaged, this dog that was crippled, this dog that was broken. And he said, I don't want your money. Just take the dog. And the little boy said, no, he's worth every bit as much as, as the other dogs are. And he said, well, he's not going to be able to run. He's not going to be able to play like the other dogs can play. He's not going to be able to go out and have fun like the other dogs can play. And that's when the little boy raised up his pant leg and showed him a twisted ankle with braces on. And he said, well, then he's going to need some Somebody who understands what he's going through to be his owner. I'm telling you what today, church, Jesus Christ understands what we're going through because he suffered just like we suffer. He understands what pain is like. He understands what you're going through. He understands what you need in your life. Hallelujah. He understands. He can relate. He's not a high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities, with our illness, with our sickness, with our weakness. But he is a God who totally gets us. Maybe you feel like damaged goods. Maybe you've struggled with the same thing over and over and over again until you've gotten to the point where you just have almost given up. And But... It, there's something inside you that just keeps eating. You know that, that what it is needs to, needs to go away, but you don't know how to get it gone. You know that what you're feeling, you're hoping that the grace of God will cover, but, but there's something inside of you gnawing away, and you just feel like, if I could just overcome this one thing, it would mean all the difference in my relationship with God. See, God understands that we're in a ditch. Sometimes, in order to get somebody out of a ditch, you've got to get out in the ditch with them. Be nice to stand up and just toss down a rope. But what if you're really stuck? What if you're really damaged? What if you don't, what if the engine isn't running? What if there's no power under the hood? Sometimes it's more than just a toe strap. Sometimes you got to get down in the mud where the problem is at, alongside of somebody, and be the strength that they don't have anymore. See, the Old Testament allowed us to push our sins ahead. And every year, the damage kept resurfacing. Only this time, there was more to add to it. Every year, go back to the high priest with your 
little sacrifice and you'd have to face not only the sins of 2019 but every sin that you had done all the way up until that date until somebody made it right Jesus knew knew that we were damaged he knew that we needed help but instead of just wiping us out and starting all over and he had a chance to He could, have, he could have started everything over, but he saved Noah and his family because he saw the value in our damaged goods. Would you stand with me today? Isaiah wrote, Surely he hath borne our griefs. If I say my grief, and carried our sorrows save my sorrow yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed Now, if you take the time to stop and read that scripture very slowly and realize what it's saying, the balance between the divinity of Jesus Christ and our fallen nature is very lopsided. That's a trade that I would make in a heartbeat. My griefs and my sorrow and my transgressions, he took it all upon him and then he replaced it with what? His stripes paid for our healing. God, you mean that my sinful nature wasn't enough to keep you apart? My disappointments weren't, weren't enough to make you want to give up on us? My brokenness, my, my rips, my tears? Jesus said, no. There's still value. You're worth saving. You see, those of us that work in the office, I don't work in the office, but I come back in afterward, the the office workers, they kind of love damaged goods. They kind of like it because once the customer decides that he wants to refuse that just because of the way the outside looks, it's not always necessarily the case that the inside has got something wrong with it. And I've seen some Some of our customer service agents walk out the door with big, beautiful bouquets of flowers. I've seen them handing out chocolate bars and candy and different goods. You never know what might be on on the inside. And there might be a little damage in one spot, but that doesn't mean it's all damaged. That doesn't mean it can't be used. So when we get damaged good, it's kind of like Christmas around the old FedEx office big boxes of flowers. I brought my wife home flowers one time. She's like, oh, where did you get these? I didn't want to tell her. (laughs) Honey, I love you so much. I drove to the farthest point of creation to buy these beautiful flowers for you. 
That sounds a whole lot better than they were going to toss them in the trash can, but I salvaged them. This world will throw you away. Jesus Christ wants to salvage you. This world will look at you as damaged goods. Jesus Christ will look at the inside of you and say, oh, there's plenty we can, we can use here. We're not finished at all with you. I wonder if you'd bow your heads right now and close your eyes. Maybe today the world has been hammering away at you. You don't know where you stand with mankind and you may not know where you stand with God. This message today was not by happenstance, but I believe it was God ordained for someone to hear today that you have value. You have value to the Lord and you have value to this church. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.